Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. In today's episode, The R Word, we talk about a common slur that's been used and normalized for decades. It's a word that might be so deeply ingrained in your vocabulary that you don't know the painful history and feelings it evokes from so many people. Today's episode on the R word is special, I think, to a lot of us here. And so I'm really excited to to get started. My name is Nicole. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm on the diversity, inclusion, and belonging team here at Sunrun. Hi, my name is Hillary. I am an analyst on the diversity, inclusion, and belonging team at Sunrun. And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. My name is Badiana Badio. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a sales leader and diversity champion, and I am on the sales side of the organization. Hi, I'm Keena Nichols. I am a proud mom of three kiddos. Nicole asked me to be here today and to help talk about the significance of the R word and really happy to be here. So thanks so much for having me. So just kind of exploring this and maybe some people might not know what it is that we're talking about with the R word. So let me see if I can get this kicked off in the right way. The verb retard means to hinder or to make something slow. So this word ended up being used in the 60s, and it was used as a term in conjunction with mental, so mental retardation, was used as a medical term to describe intellectual disabilities. And as many of us know, just being alive in the world, when someone uses the R word, typically they're not talking about an intellectual disability. They could be, but if they are, in my experience, it's never been a positive conversation about somebody with a disability. Many might not know the tumultuous and painful history that comes with living with a disability. Apparently there was an ugly law in Chicago that was meant to ban people who were deemed to be, and this is quoting, diseased, maimed, mutilated, or in any other way deformed. And I think this sort of speaks to the culture and the climate. If somebody has this kind of a law, like it seems to be pretty well accepted for people to be using that word and people to be discriminating against folks who have and live with disabilities. You know, you said that you're a proud mom of three. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, your background, the pain that that this word causes when you hear it. Sure. Yeah. So I actually have twins. I have boy girl twins. They turn nine next month. Can't believe it. Daughter born with Down syndrome. Son developed epilepsy about six months into uh, his life. It was a catastrophic type of epilepsy, medically resistant. So it required brain surgery to eliminate the seizures that were happening. He was having hundreds, maybe thousands of seizures a day um, as a baby. He underwent brain surgery, which is called a hemispherectomy. They removed the right hemisphere of his brain. 
The results of the surgery did eliminate the seizures. However, it did leave him with multiple disabilities, both physical and intellectual. So we, we sort of have a, a lot of experience with different disabilities in our family, and that, that happened very quickly. Um, prior to having my children, I really didn't have much experience with knowing individuals with a disability. Uh, it just wasn't on my radar, if I'm being honest. So, of course, because uh, we wanted to learn everything that we could about all of the different abilities that our children have, you know, it's, it's just sort of catapulted us into this world and how many people are affected. I just don't think it's talked about enough because so many families are affected. They say one out of every four families has someone with some type of a disability. And those are really high numbers. You know, so I, I was surprised that more people weren't talking about some of these issues. And, you know, the R word, <laughs> my goodness, I could talk for hours and hours about the significance of it, the history. I love the points that you brought up, Nicole, because I think that that when people use the word, it's become so common in informal speech that it's almost harder to see the connection of the original meaning of the word and then the slur that it's become. I do think that it is difficult for people where disabilities aren't on the forefront of their mind to use the word and just not even understand that it's, it's considered offensive. Yeah, it's a term that is, is adopted by, at least in my experience, being in my youth in the, in the 90s, it was very common. It was adopted into a lot of kids' vernacular, and it was just used so casually as to describe something that's, I guess, another not great term, but like lame or uncool. And if I'm being honest, I, I think I probably did use it at some point in that in that way, um, I have an uncle who's severely intellectually disabled. He's nonverbal. So it was drilled into us at a pr pretty early age that the R word was not a term that we use. So even when I did use it as a child, I can remember feeling like it was nails on a chalkboard to me. And it still is to me now. And I think it's just because I've like ingrained it that it is not <laughs> is not a good word to use. Like I, it pains me to say it still to this day, but you know, that, that stemmed from a personal experience. I personally had a relationship with, with an uncle who like that, that term would be offensive to and about. Right. And I, I think part of the conversation that I think people are often afraid to ask about individuals with disabilities. I too have a family member with an intellectual disability. And I remember growing up also hesitantly using the word, but still did because I don't think that we understood how else to describe the situation. Because that word was so commonly used, we never asked what the specific disability was. You know, it, it turns out it was cerebral palsy, but I never asked. And so I think that that's an important piece too. I think the more that we talk about individuals' different abilities and not be afraid to ask questions, I think that that will help in not using the R word so, so broadly. Yeah. And Hillary, you, I, I had a small family. So my mom 
immigrated to the United States from Ecuador. She was an only child. My father was adopted and he was from Iowa. So I was raised in Arizona. So we were kind of physically distanced from a lot of that. And in my small family, I never had an individual with a physical or a mental disability that I knew that I knew of, that I was aware of. And so it was never put on us that like, Hey, this is not a good word. You know, like we never had anybody kind of explaining that. And to my embarrassment now, when you were saying that Hillary, you know, in the nineties, we're nineties kids, right? I was born in the eighties, grew up in the nineties. And not only was that word just very, God, it was everywhere, but this obscene gesture that I know I did with the duh, you know, insinuating that, you know, somebody couldn't grasp what you were saying. And God, that's so obscene and embarrassing. And I'm wondering, Kina, to your to what you were saying about, you know, we, we don't talk about it. And people are afraid to ask people, you know, like, yeah, okay, you see somebody with a disability and, and you you want to look because you're not used to it. You're curious, right? And I think growing up, a lot of us probably had that gut reaction from our parents, like, don't stare, you're not being polite. And so I think that coupled with these derogatory terms and slurs that we were using is if you see somebody who has a disability, then that's bad and it's lesser. And so you can like, just don't look at it and move away, move on with your life. And then, and, and it sort of reinforces that you can use those, that kind of language um, to describe people with disabilities. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that society was that way, right? I think that not that many years ago, society did just sort of put these people in a different place. You know, they weren't included in public schools. They weren't included in activities. They were kept separate. Everything was was segregated. And so I think as we start including these people in our everyday lives and society, I think that people won't be as sensitive to different. And, and once we can help everyone understand that being different is okay, that I think we'll just be more accepting in general. And I think that the word hopefully will be, you know, used less and less because it is, and it's not just me. It's everybody that it's all of my friends and family and everybody that loves my children or has individuals that they love and care about um, as well. It is, it's just gut-wrenching. It's just horrible. And I, you know, I could get choked up very easily, you know, thinking about while we do have two children with disabilities, we have a daughter who is typical. And the day that I have to explain to her what that word means when it's used talking about her siblings is just, I'm not looking forward to that. You know, it's just, it's so hurtful and we just need to keep talking about it. We just need to, you know, keep speaking up when the word is used. I have people around me fairly often, and I'm going to use air quotes and say slip up and use the word. And then they'll immediately apologize to me. And my response is typically don't apologize to me. Once you know better, you should do better. And once you know that it is so hurtful to someone, please choose another word to use. 
Uh, so the, the more often that we speak up in those types of situations, hopefully the better. Yeah, I have I have distant family members who use it and then they just immediately say, oh, I know I'm not supposed to use it. It's like, so then don't take that half a second before you speak to think about it and stop using it. It's a habit that can be broken. It still boggles me when it's in people's vernacular today. You know, A, it's offensive, but B, it also sounds so outdated to me personally. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many other descriptive and more appropriate words that you could use. And I'm sure we all have that in our vocabulary. While you were talking, Kina, I thought, oh my gosh, Mia's just going to, she's going to grow up just to be a champion. You know, she's going to be able to navigate this space so effortlessly and be that person who helps so many people change. So while it it will be tough, she's just going to be such a champion for her siblings. So I just think that's special. Thank you. I do too. She's, she's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of the fears of a parent seem to melt away when, you know, she comes home from school, she and Bentley, um, our daughter go to the same school and Bentley's quite popular. And so (laughs) she, uh, we're having the opposite effect of my fears of, you know, Bentley being excluded. Bentley's very included and um, we're very fortunate in that way. And so she, uh, she sometimes feels that, you know, she's a little overshadowed (laughs) by, by Bentley and all of the attention that she gets, but it's a very good problem to have. And, and I realized that that is not always going to be the case in life. So we soak that up as much as we can while, while it's happening now. Well, that's just typical little sister. (laughs) I can tell you that. Right. Right. I think that that's the lesson for me. Everyone is more alike than they are different likes and dislikes and interests. And we all are, are so similar. I think that's why this word just further separates people. And that's another reason why it's just so hurtful. And it's not just the word. I do have to add, I've seen a lot of adding the word tarred at the end of other words. That is just as hurtful. And in any way that someone is using that word, it is not in a positive context. To your point, there are so many other words to use. And so choose a different word. My tolerance has heard over the years. When we first started on this journey, I was very patient and compassionate, you know, towards people's choice of words. And as time has gone on, I just, I don't tolerate it as well (laughs) as I did originally because enough is enough. You know, times change. A lot of words become outdated and this is one of them. And it's really just not that important. Is this word so special to you that, you know, you must have it as part of your vocabulary? That's hard for me to understand. Tina, I completely agree with you. I view your daughter's experience as fortunate. I think she's lucky because as a child, I had family members that had varying levels of, uh, they were on the spectrum of Down syndrome and they had varying levels of Down syndrome. And that exposed me to the R word at a very young age. These these family members were very much integrated in, you know, the social aspects of family gatherings. And as a kid, for me, not fully understanding their circumstances or understanding what their condition was, because at that time, people weren't really helping us understand how to typecast the condition. Everyone was just clumped under this R word. 
and no one was telling or explaining like, okay, well, there must be some differentiating factor between this R word. As I grew up and developed and was able to do my own research, I was able to figure out which intellectual disability that they had and learn and do more research. I think that exposure and having that family member was a positive experience for me because I felt I learned so many characteristics. There was so much joy and love and genuineness in my particular family members that I thrived off of as a child growing up with them. And I needed that level of genuineness and honest love and connection. I feel like it was the foundation of a lot of, of a lot of my characteristics as a person. I was, I feel like I can't say as a teenager, I can't assume that maybe I didn't let it slip when everyone was using that word, but I feel I was always one, a person who championed against it because I had that exposure set at such a young age, but I don't want to see act like I was some sort of saint as a teenager. Cause you, you know, you never know you get influenced by your social groups and whatnot. I'm kind of curious, just giving people pointers. I'm kind of assuming that a lot of people listening to this may not know how, how hurtful the word is and maybe looking, you know, what are some ways that I can make a change myself or what are some ways that I can be that champion? Yeah. Depending on my relationship with the person, you know, if, uh, if I wanted to be slightly snarky about it, I would say, oh, you still use that word? Interesting. And just kind of shame them and be like, oh, that's so 90s. <laughs> uh, but in actual reality, I think I could probably be a little bit better about calling people out on it. I think it takes me by surprise now if I hear it because it's, it just seems so out of place. For family members, definitely. Then like, just just don't. You you know better. You tell me you know better. So do better. And it, it's pretty easy to, to call them out on that, especially when since we have family members who are intellectually disabled. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think that it does come back to now if someone's using it in the context of, you know, a synonym to silly or forgetful or, you know, numerous other words, that's one thing, but using it in the context of describing a person with an intellectual disability, I would like to give others the benefit of the doubt that they don't know what words to use to replace it with. So I'm glad you asked that, Nick, because I've had close friends say, what would you like me to say? Or, you know, how can I describe one of my pet peeves, I will say, is the word downs, kid or Downs person. And I know that others aren't, probably have no idea that that is offensive to me or individuals with Down syndrome. And, and that's because we prefer first person language. My child isn't Down syndrome. My child is a person first. I can use a million different words to describe her and, and how wonderful and awesome she is. But Down syndrome is just something that she has. It's not who she is. When we're using the words, I'll say, well, maybe you could use differently abled or intellectual disability. If it's a physical disability, they use a wheelchair or they have a hearing impairment or, you know, whatever, whatever the disability is. But let's call it by what it is and not this general term that, of course, is, is offensive. Sometimes it just requires asking the question, having someone that you feel comfortable enough with and ask them and trust me, 
they want to talk about it. I could talk all day, every day about ways to address and, and talk about disabilities. And, and it starts with young kiddos. To your point, if you don't talk about it from the very start, it just becomes more and more uncomfortable. And then I think that's when people start just resorting to the word because ah, they, they just don't know how else to even talk about it. I recently talked to my son's, my, my son is, while he is in a self-contained classroom, he also spends part of his day in a, a typical classroom, a typical third grade classroom. And the teacher's been wonderful. And the kiddos had lots of questions about Cooper. You know, what is Cooper's disability? How does he do X, Y, and Z? Um how does he use the restroom? Where does he sleep? I mean, the questions went on and on. And so she invited me to sit down and, and talk with the kids. And once I told them that I was comfortable with any question that they could ask me, my goodness, those kids opened up <laughs> and asked all kinds of questions. But it was awesome because they probably were never given that opportunity to ask because they were afraid or they thought they would offend someone. Like you said, Nick, you know, it's like, don't look, don't ask, don't say anything. Let's just ignore the situation. And that's just the opposite of what we need to do to move forward. I think um, in the past, I'd probably say I, sometimes I can be pretty direct. I feel like more often than not, I'm pretty direct. I would just be like, stop using that word. I don't appreciate it. You should remove it from your vocabulary. One, it's not a cool word. It's just disrespectful. And I would simply just put it right out there just so they knew that I was not here for it. I wasn't about it. And it's not something that they can get away with saying around in my presence. But I mean, sometimes I, uh, I lacked a lack a little tact. So <laughs> there could have been better ways to approach it. But I just feel like when it comes to derogatory slurs, I have a little tolerance for it because of what I've the experience that I've had in my life. So I, I tend not to beat around the bush. I'm just like, it is what it is. This is how I feel. You should, you need to stop. This is inappropriate and disrespectful. I really love that you both are saying, you know, as I get older, I just have less and less tolerance for, for this hate, you know, these words of hate. I stopped using the R word in my vocabulary. Other derogatory terms, like you were saying, Hillary, lame, or people using that same connotation to describe people that might identify as gay or queer. And like, it's all sort of in the same bucket for me. And it's like, why, you know, cut one word out, cut five words out, like, you know, just, just cut them all out and then use descriptive words. One thing that I've noticed with the R word specifically that helps me is changing the word. So it's almost a gut reaction, right? That people say it like, oh, that's so, you know, or you're so. And so when I find myself saying those first few words, I'm now able to, to recognize that that word would, would be on the tip of my tongue and I can change it to something like ridiculous because that's what they're, you know what I'm talking to my dogs and they're running around and I'm like, oh my God, you guys are so ridiculous. That's an appropriate word. <laughs> and it, it reflects what I'm saying about them. Um, and so I've, I've found that to be helpful for me specifically. So the good news is that these things are catching on. Some people are starting to change, that we will have some listeners. And so we might have changed one person's mind, which is really all we do this for. In 2010, so only 11 years ago, 
but it's progress. Obama signed Rosa's Law, which was meant to remove the term mental retardation from federal education, and it was replaced with intellectual disability. So a small win, but a win we can celebrate nonetheless. Also, there is a movement called Spread the Word to End the Word. Kina, do you want, maybe want to talk about this? Sure, yes. I believe that it, it was started originally by the Special Olympics, and it was a campaign for young people to pledge to stop using the word. And so it's really caught on lots of different schools, organizations, workplaces have started bringing awareness to the campaign and and asking others to sign or pledge to stop using the word. It's a positive movement. Like you said, the change for me as a mom is too slow, but it's always going to be, I'm always going to want it to, you know, speed up and, and people to get with it. But I do have to recognize it is change. And again, we just have to keep talking about it. I believe wholeheartedly that that's the biggest part. Like that's the solution is to just keep talking about it and having others understand that it is a slur, that it is hate speech, that it is not ever used in a positive way. You were talking about on social media, how many times intellectual disability is mentioned that it's in a negative connotation, what, seven out of 10 times. And I I believe that if it's as simple as providing alternative words for people, let's do that. If it's you know, talking about how it hurts us because we have a loved one with a disability. Let's talk about that. Just that it's outdated and uncool to use the word now. Let's talk about that. Anything that we can do to let people know that it is a hurtful word, just like this podcast. So it's these small things that people like me and and all of us here today really do appreciate because this is the the only way that we are going to make change if we keep talking. Yeah. And along those lines, there's a a huge gap in representation in popular media. You know, historically, characters who are intellectually disabled are played by actors who are not. And these actors get awarded and applauded for being so brave to want to portray that. And it's just, it feels counterproductive. And the fact that the representation is still so lacking feeds into that as well. It's like, why can't we highlight these stories, show that people with disabilities lead a full life from childhood into adulthood. They can be happy. They can contribute to society. They are just like you. And that's just like a huge missed opportunity in, in popular media right now. And I think recently there was a movie that came out and I don't know the name of it, but I believe Sia, the singer produced it and the actress, um, was portraying someone on, on the autism spectrum and um, there it, it did not go over well because they never spoke to anyone from the community whatsoever. They just did their the very light research and just decided to, they still decided to do it. And it's like that, that ignorance is, is still shocking to me that people will do that. But I think this this community, it, it happens to quite a bit in media. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I, too, have heard about the movie. I refuse to see it. But similar to every so often, 
you know, marketing campaigns or television shows, they'll throw someone in with Down syndrome. And I'm convinced that they do that because um, Down syndrome is very visually recognizable. And so it's very easy to say, oh, there's the different person because we can identify with, you know, their, their common characteristics. But other disabilities are hardly ever shown or represented. I don't know what it is. I think that, it, again, it's just different and people are uncomfortable with different. The othering so powerful. And I don't know, you know, it must be part of the human condition, some anthropological thing that benefited us so, you know, millions of years ago, but at this point, it really just doesn't benefit us. And we are literally, Kina, if you look at anybody genetically, like from a, from a very, very scientific standpoint, you look at anybody's DNA from anywhere in the world and compare them with anybody else's DNA anywhere in the world, we are more alike than we are disalike. And that is a fact. We were talking about stop, spread the word to end the word. So I would just encourage everyone to not, not only go to this website and, and, and pledge that you are going to stop using this word. There's certainly strength in numbers and in solidarity. So please go make your pledge. The website is spreadtheword.global. And of course, just stop using the word and if you're brave enough, do some research, find out how to be an ally, find out how to speak up when you hear somebody else use the, the word. Yeah, it does take some bravery to speak up, but we have to be the voice of so many of these people because many aren't going to be able to articulate themselves how hurtful the word is. So they need us. And I think maybe if others think about it from that perspective, maybe they'll be a little more willing to change and, and use an alternative word. Once you have it in your mind, like you said, even if that's okay, if we're creatures of habit and you know maybe you're going to get ready to say the word. And even if it slips and you have to say, I apologize and use a different word, that's a start. It just takes an awareness. So I think if we can just be aware of how hurtful the word is for so many people, it's not just about the people themselves with the disability. It's everyone who loves them. And they are surrounded by huge communities of people who care about them. The world would just be a better place. It would just be kinder and, and um, yeah. We've talked a lot about how our perception of the word and perception of the community is formed by our personal experiences. But my advice would be to not wait for a personal experience to get a better understanding of the community. If you're a parent, maybe start having those conversations with your children about how it's a hurtful term and what terminology is appropriate to use and seek out some some resources where you can all learn together. So when a, a situation comes into your life, you're not caught off guard. You can have a conversation a, a little bit clearer than, than you would without doing a little bit of work beforehand. Awesome feedback, Hillary, Kina, and Nick. I think my thoughts are overarching, just not to be redundant, because I agree with everything that you all have said. It's been far too long that we immediately focus on what's different about 
ourselves, we communicate with people by focusing on their differences. We should just become better at finding what we have similar or in common or find the common ground that we have with other people first and build the relationship and build the communication based off the common ground rather than totally just honing in and focusing strictly on what's different. I think that will you know, resolve many of the issues that we have on various levels, especially with the R word in particular. So let's focus on what we have similar and what all the things that we have in common and then build the conversation and the relationship off of that rather than what's different. And then of course, research and doing, taking the time to research and become, make yourself aware of all of the stigmas around the R word and removing it from your vernacular and being an advocate and an ally for the community and learning more about the community. Wonderful. Thank you everyone for all of your participation in this topic. Very needed and really hoping that we can we can change some minds here. So thank you all. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, Kina. Thank you, Kina.